the Public News Service Daily Newscast, March 31, 2022. I'm Roz Brown. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has vetoed a new congressional map approved by fellow Republicans, Democrats, and the Florida Supreme Court. It's a move opponents charge is designed to reduce the voting power of black Floridians. Jasmine Bernie Clark is the founder of Equal Ground Action Fund, a black-led voting rights group. Bernie Clark explains the veto and the governor's previous interference with redistricting are new milestones in Florida's history of suppressing minority voters. This has not happened in the history of our state, but what has happened is that Florida is known for gerrymandering and creating maps and district lines that favor a specific political party. And we see that he is following in those same footsteps. DeSantis has called a special mid-April legislative session to draw a new congressional map. A memorandum from the office of the governor justifies the move, claiming states may not separate citizens into different voting districts on the basis of race. I'm Chance Dorland reporting. The governor's general counsel, Ryan Newman, claims the now vetoed congressional map contains what he described as a bizarre donut shape. Sticking with the election beat, a news conference at the Pennsylvania Capitol on Wednesday called for changes to procedural rules in Harrisburg. Good government groups have launched the Fix Harrisburg campaign, saying a select few leaders block bipartisan bills from ever receiving a vote despite broad support. In an average session, less than 7% of bills introduced in the General Assembly ever get a final vote. Michael Pollack of March on Harrisburg says he and other advocates for years have been trying to get a bipartisan law passed that bans legislative gifts. But it has been stalled by some leaders in the General Assembly. So we keep coming here for justice because, frankly, we don't know where else to go. And we're going to keep fighting and we're going to keep pushing until this is a democracy, until six gatekeepers don't determine every little thing about this building, until lobbyists can't walk in with big checks and buy their way out of trouble. So far this session, no bills introduced by Democrats, the minority party in both chambers, have been given a vote on the House floor. The campaign calls for bills with strong bipartisan support to receive a vote in committee. If voted out of committee, they say they should receive a vote on the chamber floor. This is Emily Scott reporting. Other organizations that had speakers at the rally include Fair Districts PA, the League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania, Education Voters of Pennsylvania, and Committee of Seventy. And from CNN, a powerful storm ripped through Springdale, Arkansas early Wednesday as part of a dangerous system that's continuing to threaten much of the southeast with more severe weather, flash floods, and potential tornadoes. Seven people were injured, including two critically, when a possible tornado touched down at 4 a.m. in Springdale, a city in northwest Arkansas. That as reported by Mayor Doug Sprouse in a Facebook post. This is PNS. Illinois lawmakers are voting to require public schools to offer vegetarian-friendly foods at lunch. The bill mandates that districts provide plant-based options to students requesting them and is sponsored by Senator Dave Kaler of Peoria. He says it shouldn't be too big of a burden for schools and gives kids more healthy food choices. As a practicing vegetarian, there is not a lot of difference between the cost of food. So I I think this is a a, a good approach, and I think that uh, this is not going to affect all schools because you may have students that don't request this. Opponents argue that schools can already offer vegetarian and vegan foods and protest another mandate on schools. The measure still needs to be signed into law by the governor. More than $150 million in utility assistance is available to Illinois families in need. 
The money is to help pay utility bills, including natural gas, propane, and electricity, says State Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity Director Sylvia Garcia. That's the regular, what we call LIHEAP program. And then in addition to that, we've got our uh, UDAP program, which is our uh, utility disconnection avoidance program, which is specifically for folks that are on the shutoff list right now. It's a one-time payment of $250 or more, depending on what the, the backlog of bills are to get you off that shutoff list. There's also home weatherization and furnace assistance for those qualifying. For more information, visit HelpIllinoisFamilies.com. Illinois may soon have an official state snake. An 11-year-old from Williamson County recommended naming the eastern milk snake to the list of state symbols, so Senator Dave Fowler of Harrisburg did his research. Many decades ago, the common name milk snake actually originated from a belief that these snakes milked cows. This, Google it, Google it, trust me. This myth probably began when farmers sought some excuse for why a cow was producing less milk than usual. Lawmakers approved the designation, and all that's needed now is the governor's signature for Illinois to have its own official snake. New legislation creates the offense of fertility fraud. Senator Dave Kaler of Peoria is sponsoring the bill after hearing from a constituent, 44-year-old Kurt Richardson. Richardson did an at-home DNA test with his family last summer and found out that the fertility doctor used his own sample for the procedure. Kaler says this apparently wasn't the first time. So what Kurt found out since then is that he has 85 half-siblings. It's pretty hard to get your mind around that. Under the bill, fertility fraud would be a felony offense and victims could seek damages. Kaler says it's a work in progress. Senate Democrats are pushing a legislative package to help make college more affordable in Illinois. One of the bills is sponsored by Senator Laura Murphy of Des Plaines, creating a new tax credit for students who attend an in-state school. It's going to be a bridge for a lot of middle-class families. There'll be up to a $1,000 tax credit if you send your students to Illinois universities or colleges. Another measure lets MAP grant recipients use the money for things like room and board and books. And a third requires all Illinois colleges to provide books and course materials for free to students, that bill is still being negotiated to find the best option for making that happen. Illinois controller Susanna Mendoza says the final debt from the previous budget impasse has been paid off. The $297 million came from unused state funds to help the state limp along during the 2015 to 2017 budget stalemate, says Controller Mendoza. One of the reasons why it's such a big deal is because the credit rating agencies have made it a big deal. And it was very important for them that that uh, debt be settled. Um, and it is a consideration in potentially upgrading our credit. Additionally, Mendoza is officially laying to rest the term bill backlog, noting that bills are now being paid in about 15 business days. At the state capitol, I'm Kim Howard. The budget I'm releasing today makes prudent investments in economic growth 
President Biden sending to Congress Monday his $5.8 trillion proposed budget for fiscal year 2023, which begins October 1st. The budget proposal includes, of course, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the proposed spending for USDA, just over $31 billion, which would be just over $2.5 billion more than what was enacted for this fiscal year. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack in a statement Monday said the budget contains what he calls transformational investments that will boost rural communities and ag producers, helping them to be more economically viable, more resilient to climate change. The budget also has more money for nutrition assistance programs, for bringing high-speed internet to everyone, and for research. Of course, the administration's budget proposal is just that, a proposal, or what Tom Vilsack calls a statement of intent. But as always on Money Matters, Congress will have the final say. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Technical assistance is now available for applicants of USDA meat and poultry processing capacity grants. We've announced three different technical assistance providers, and this is really about partnering with and being a resource for potential applicants and applicants to help navigate the grant application process. Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs Jenny Moffitt says processors and applicants involved in either the meat and poultry inspection readiness grant or meat and poultry processing expansion program can access this technical assistance. To be able to do anything from things like a feasibility study all the way to actually helping and support to write the grant application and then also to grant implementation as well. Details are available online at www.usda.gov slash meat. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The vast majority of the country expecting near to above normal temperatures and near to above normal precipitation as we move into this early April period. Now, the greatest likelihood of warm conditions will be in the West, particularly across California and the Great Basin. Cooler than normal conditions should be confined to the Mid-South and the Tennessee and Ohio Valleys. Now, in terms of precipitation, the greatest likelihood of those wet conditions will be across the South and the Eastern United States. Unfortunately, much of the far west will be drier than normal, though. That does include northern and central California, the Great Basin, and parts of the Intermountain West. Supporting university-level research to treat and eradicate livestock diseases. We announced an investment of over $13 million in research that really explores some of these novel therapies and prevention strategies for animal diseases that are really costing the agricultural industry billions of dollars worldwide. National Institute of Food and Agriculture Administrator Carrie Castile says 24 grants under the Agriculture and Food Research Initiative will support projects at 17 universities focused on disease prevention, vaccine development, and management strategies to maintain ag animal health. One example of such projects is found at Cornell University. Cornell Research will develop more effective vaccines for swine influenza virus to the tune of almost $650,000. Very fortunate that we have the partners that are really leaning in and committing with us to be able to address these challenges. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
Former USDA Chief Economist Joe Globber's tenure at the department included times that noted food security concerns in parts of the globe, from events such as the recession of 2007-2008. Yet when it comes to potential impacts resulting from the Russian invasion of Ukraine, this feels a lot different. Globber speaking at a recent Farm Foundation forum says nations are considering how important an export commodity might be from both a consumption and income impact. Because in some cases, actually higher grain prices are going to help farmers within that country. And we've seen that certainly in prior episodes like 2010, 11, or 2007, 8. We actually saw some areas farm income actually going up in parts of the developing world. He adds, unlike past events where the U.S. dollar was weak during times of high commodity prices, the dollar is currently strong overseas, even with increasing prices for farm goods. If you're a country that's buying in dollars using your local currencies, and your currency is weakened substantially with the dollar, it's gone up even more. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Something new to keep your home tidy. Cleaning into tomorrow, I'm Dave Graveline. iLife launched their A11 robot vacuum featuring 4,000 PA suction power, and it can fulfill most of your needs for home cleaning. Other features of the robot are its advanced LiDAR technology, providing effective cleaning performance by scanning and programming the best routes without missing areas and corners. The A11 provides four adjusted power levels and its battery increases its running time to three hours. The innovative design satisfies different cleaning needs because vacuum and more can work at the same time. The A11 reduces the possibility of leaving dirt after one cleaning cycle and also supports voice control with Alexa to fit the smart home lifestyle. Stay tuned for more on consumer tech and all kinds of gadgets and tune into our three-hour weekly show, intotomorrow.com. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to invent help. You have nothing to lose. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. For the Daily Yonder and Public News Service, this is the news from rural America. The U.S. countryside was chosen over city living by nearly a quarter million more people last year, according to a Daily Yonder analysis of new census data. That's a significant difference from the last decade, where rural numbers were either stagnant or falling. Daily Yonder editor Tim Mirama says even if the growth was slight on a percentage basis, the population gain was good news for rural economies. It wasn't from births and it wasn't from international migration. It was people from other parts of the U.S. and metro moving to rural. Still, many towns lost population. Iowa State University professor David Peters says it's important for residents to acknowledge that no one is coming to save rural communities. That's what we're advocating, to have these small towns to take ownership for their own future. To address the challenge, 
Peters' colleague at ISU, Kimberly Zarekor, leads the Rural Shrink Smart Initiative. With funding from the National Science Foundation, six Iowa towns are documenting and sharing successful strategies communities have used to boost services, amenities, and participation in local organizations, all measurements of quality of life. The whole premise of our project is to say, let's put the population conversation to the side. You can be shrinking and still have improving quality of life. The new initiative builds on the Iowa Small Towns Project, which studied some 100 resilient Iowa towns going back nearly 30 years. Shoppers can expect to pay 3 to 4% more for food this year, says the USDA. Fertilizer costs alone have more than doubled since last year, driven by global instability caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, high demand, and lack of competition. B. Ray Jeffers with Rural Advancement Foundation International says the rising cost of farmland is one obstacle for small-scale producers. Ownership remains the goal for most farmers, and the major barrier to owning land is the affordability gap. To assist local producers, Jeffers says farmers and ranchers need a larger and more resilient supply chain, better transportation options, and access to processing and storage facilities. Farmers are often beholden to the political machine of government willing and dealing, and it's not always good news for farmers working in sustainable agriculture. A new bipartisan bill in Congress would streamline federal services and eliminate bureaucratic obstacles. The Rural Prosperity Act creates a permanent office in the White House to coordinate a wide array of federal programs. Such an office, for example, would be the place that develops a national rural strategy or a national rural policy. Tony Pippa co-authored a Brookings Institute report on rural America. He says right now, government agencies lack a coherent policy to coordinate rural resources. For the Daily Yonder and Public News Service, I'm Roz Brown. For more rural stories, visit dailyyonder.com. Welcome to 2022 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. You cannot see this human suffering and defend it because it is a disaster. It is indefensible. Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz accused the White House of turning a blind eye to the immigration crisis at the southern border with word the Biden administration is considering scrapping Title 42. The health order from March 2020 allowed for the rapid expulsion of migrants in order to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona, a Democrat, urged the administration to consult with local officials to develop a plan to ensure a secure and humane process before ending the policy. Hospitals and border communities are really spread thin and the nonprofits are overwhelmed. So I want to make sure that we do not pay a price for the failure in Washington, D.C. The Department of Homeland Security is preparing for an influx of migrants at the border. The daily number of 7,000 could climb as high as 18,000. Russian strikes were reported in areas of Ukraine where a day earlier Moscow said it would cut back military operations. Peace talks in Turkey between Russian and Ukrainian officials have yet to yield any breakthroughs. The United States is providing Ukraine with an additional $500 million. We are witnessing a generational moment, a historic demonstration of unity and will, and an unprecedented effort by allies to strengthen defense while simultaneously helping those in need. General Todd Walters, head of the U.S. European Command, expects more U.S. military contributions will be needed in the region when the conflict ends. The Department of Justice is reportedly expanding its probe of the January 6th attack to include events leading up to the preceding rally held by former President Trump's supporters. Meanwhile, Capitol Police Chief Thomas Manger says a multi-step reopening of the Capitol is needed 
to provide more time to rebuild a force depleted by the pandemic and stretched thin after January 6. He noted attrition has recently improved. The fact is that there are still people that want to serve their country by being a Capitol Police officer. We've had more success and not seen difficulty in recruiting folks to at least come in through the door. Manger asked a House Appropriations Subcommittee for a $105.5 million budget increase for fiscal 2023 to hire more officers, which top lawmakers signaled they would support. The National Republican Congressional Committee plans to target 72 Democrat-held or newly created seats in the midterm election, including 33 where President Biden won by a 10-point or greater margin. Meanwhile, the main super-political action committee for House Democrats announced its first major ad reservations for the cycle, including more than $86 million for TV, which is more than the first reservations for the group's 2020 campaign. I'm Mary Sherman for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Let's check Ag News on the RFD Radio Network. I'm DeLos Yonke. State Senate has passed biodiesel legislation. It now moves to the State House of Representatives. Illinois Soybean Association Chairman Steve Pitchstick said in a statement, quote, this legislative initiative will transition the sales tax incentive from 10% biodiesel blends to 19%, which will not only significantly enhance the environmental benefits of biodiesel, but also lead to strengthened demand for this homegrown renewable fuel by about 125 million gallons, unquote. Illinois Soy says commitment to the biodiesel industry has created more than 7,500 clean energy jobs in the state, generating $1.6 billion in household income to families across the state. In Washington, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai took on tough ag-related issues, including China, USMCA, and the war in Ukraine during a hearing before the House Ways and Means Committee. RFD's Washington correspondent Matt Cave reports. Ambassador Tai listed administration trade wins, including in agriculture, refuting GOP criticism, it hasn't been enough. Lifted retaliatory tariffs on billions of dollars of U.S. agricultural exports. The agreement with Japan will allow our exporters to meet Japan's growing beef demand. We regained access to the EU for our shellfish industry and opened access for U.S. pork exports to India. We are also realigning the U.S.-China trade relationship. But Tai says those talks have accomplished little. We launched a conversation with the PRC about its phase one purchase commitment shortfalls and broader non-market policies last fall. Those discussions have been unduly difficult and we need to turn the page on the old playbook. And boost U.S. investment in innovation to maintain global competitiveness. On enforcement of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, especially access to the Canadian dairy market. I think that there is a clear understanding on our side that dairy market access would be improved under the USMCA, and we have not seen that. And so from a USTR perspective, we will not give up. We'll continue to work with our stakeholders. And pursue compliance with the U.S. dispute settlement win against Canada on dairy access. And on Russia's war on Ukraine and possible world food shortages from lost grain production. I have been talking to some very smart people, one of them Tom Vilsack, about the food security issue. But uh, to your point, um, let's really, really focus. Responding to Arizona Republican David Schweikert, who warned that without action within a month, in time for planting season, millions around the world could face starvation. 
For the RFD Radio Network, Matt Kay, Washington. The U.S. Treasury bond market is about to finish one of its worst quarters going back to the Civil War, according to Market Watch, and the worst quarter since the early 1980s. The only other quarter in which returns were worse was back to the fourth quarter of 1931 during the Depression. Data has been collected since 1865. Bank of America says return on government bonds is headed for its worst year since 1949. This week, the spread between two- and ten-year yields inverted for the first time since 2019, raising concerns about recession possibilities. According to the U.S. Energy Department, U.S. oil exports have increased following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Exports are at their highest level since July of last year. Illinois gasoline prices are down two cents from last week, down nine and a half cents from the record high on March 11. This is the RFD Radio Network. Dan Hicks, freeze notice weather, wet and cold conditions for Illinois. That's right, quite a bit cooler today across the state compared to the past a couple days, especially yesterday. We had some pretty significant rainfall across most of Illinois and bordering states from this latest weather system. A lot of places reporting anywhere from three quarters up to two inches of rain from this system. A few locally heavier, quite a bit of severe weather from the southern Midwest southward. We're getting on the cool side of the system now. Winds have turned to the west and northwest, and today will be a, a cooler day across the state. Uh, temperatures uh, holding in the 30s and 40s in much of Illinois today. Some light snow and rain mixed across the northern counties. Maybe a little snow sticking to the grassy areas through the day today, but the heavier precipitation from the system is over with now. We'll have a brief period of dry weather behind this, but Additional precipitation chances coming in from the west over the weekend. Tomorrow will be a, a dry, warmer day with highs back in the 40s and 50s. And then some light precipitation spreads eastward across the Midwest over the weekend. This could be some rain and a little bit of snow mixed in the northern half of the region, mostly light rain farther south. I think the weekend amounts will be quite a bit less than we've seen here the past 36 hours, but generally keeping things uh, fairly wet across Illinois through the weekend and early next week. Additional precipitation chances off and on next week also. Temperature-wise, a little bit of an up-and-down weather pattern, but I think generally normal to a little bit below normal temperatures into the 6- to 10-day period. 6- to 10-day precipitation, probably fairly close to normal in Illinois. It does look uh, potentially a little drier for the 11- to 15-day with uh, normal to below normal amounts. 11- to 15-day Temperatures do look a little bit warmer with at least near normal readings in most areas. Dan Hicks, freeze notice weather. Let's check daily livestock news on the RFD radio network for Thursday. I'm Jim Taylor. Iowa Republican Senator Chuck Grassley this week introducing an updated version of the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act. First introduced in November, Senators Deb Fisher, a Nebraska Republican, John Tester, a Montana Democrat, and Ron Wyden, an Oregon Democrat, joined Grassley to introduce the update. The updated legislation allows for more regions, five to seven, encompassing the entire continental U.S., that establishes minimum levels of fed cattle purchases made through approved pricing mechanisms. The update retains the cash trade mandates included in the previous version of the bill. The updated bill also increases penalties for violations by packers and requires that livestock mandatory reporting data be made consistently 
available. That's a check of daily livestock news for a Thursday. You're listening to the RFD Radio Network. Dan Hicks, freeze notice weather, wet and cold conditions for Illinois. That's right, quite a bit cooler today across the state compared to the past a couple days, especially yesterday. We had some pretty significant rainfall across most of Illinois and bordering states from this latest weather system. A lot of places reporting anywhere from three quarters up to two inches of rain from this system. A few locally heavier, quite a bit of severe weather from the southern Midwest southward. We're getting on the cool side of the system now. Winds have turned to the west and northwest, and today will be a, a cooler day across the state. Uh, temperatures uh, holding in the 30s and 40s in much of Illinois today. Some light snow and rain mixed across the northern counties. Maybe a little snow sticking to the grassy areas through the day today, but the heavier precipitation from the system is over with now. We'll have a brief period of dry weather behind this, but additional precipitation chances coming in from the west over the weekend. Tomorrow will be a, a dry, warmer day with highs back in the 40s and 50s, and then some light precipitation spreads eastward across the Midwest over the weekend. This could be some rain and a little bit of snow mixed in the northern half of the region, mostly light rain farther south. I think the weekend amounts will be quite a bit less than we've seen here the past 36 hours, but generally keeping things uh, fairly wet across Illinois through the weekend and early next week. Additional precipitation chances off and on next week also. Temperature-wise, a little bit of an up-and-down weather pattern, but I think generally normal to a little bit below normal temperatures into the 6- to 10-day period. 6- to 10-day precipitation, probably fairly close to normal in Illinois. It does look uh, potentially a little drier for the 11- to 15-day with uh, normal to below normal amounts. 11- to 15-day temperatures do look a little bit warmer with at least near normal readings in most areas. Dan Hicks, Freeze Notice Weather.